Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. And bonjour, my darling daughter. We have um, returned from our time together in Paris, celebrating Monica Jean's 11th birthday. And believe it or not, Monica Jean and Justine are now in Costa Rica. Wow. World traveling. (laughs) Zip, zap, zoom. How was your holidays? How was the time that you have spent when we haven't talked um, it's it's been good. It's been a kind of wild last month, just with a lot happening. But um, I had my birthday and then uh, Thanksgiving, and yeah, I got to spend a lot of time with my family and um, do all of the holiday kind of stuff. And 
we're settling into our new house, so that's it's been good to have time here here with them. Absolutely. Family time so important. And for those who were worried about us being in Paris with the riots going on, we stayed in a, a, a somewhat suburb. We were the last stop on the metro. So every time we got on the subway, we always got a seat because we were at the very beginning of the line. Is that the other way of looking at it, right? Half full, half empty. We were at the beginning of the line. And we always got a seat by the time we got home because we were at the end of the line. So that was really nice. And we were actually, we were in Paris at um, the um, Jardins de Plants, the uh, Gardens of Plants, which were very, very large medicinal herb gardens, which were created for a king of France. And uh, this whole area of greenhouses and then um, uh, paleontology, comparative anatomy, mineralogy, uh, the evolutionary hall, the hall of extinct species, the uh, menagerie where they specialize in keeping and breeding animals that are endangered and threatened. For instance, we got to see an orangutan mom with her three-week-old baby. Yes, we sat there for about an hour watching the orangutans. And we also got to see a snow leopard mom with her two cubs. They were older. They were probably about 10 or 11 weeks. And they were really being sassy and hissing back at mom. And she was trying to pick them up and drag them around. It was a stitch. So we spent a lot of time at what we called the Natural History Museum. Of course, it was all of these things. Together, the garden, I would love to have that as a teaching garden. First of all, it's so enormous, but most importantly, it's laid out by plant family. Can you believe that? Oh, wow. <laughs> right? Perfect for you. It's yeah. so <laughs> perfect, because I love to teach about plants by plant family. And, of course, we went to all these different places, and I was telling Monica Jean about the different kinds of columns that there are ionic columns, which is the plainest of the columns. And uh, there are Corinthian columns, which are the fanciest, and sometimes they even have like a belly on them, and they're very ornate. And usually the ornate things are acanthus leaves. And in this garden, for the first time in my life, I saw a living acanthus plant. Hmm. And while... Visiting gardens, um, you know, the last week of November does not yield you a lot of pictures of flowers for your eyes. It does yield you with the seed from here and there because all of the plants, of course, are in seeds. So I had a little pocket full of seeds of plants that I hope will grow for me here. We'll see some quite amazing herbs. Yes. So the acanthus plant that you're talking about, thats you saw the actual plant because that's usually just engraved in the column. Is that what you're, you're yes, saying? Yes, usually it's carved like the acanthus leaves, which are very complex okay. and wavy and beautiful, are carved at the top. There's a header, the column, and a footer. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, right. I can see. I can picture. Yeah. Right. The acanthus is usually carved in the header and in very ornate Corinthian columns, like in the Palace Garnier, um, mm-hmm. the columns 
had the acanthus leaves top and bottom. Those were gilded, and they not only bowed out a little in the middle, they were also fluted. So they had, you know, like, um, you've seen a column like that. It's like um, uh, like the top of a picket fence, right? So there's like mm-hmm. grooves and ridges in the column itself. Very, very ornate and fancy and all gilded within an inch of its life. Wow, that's cool. Very cool. And <laughs> at 9 o'clock tonight, in approximately an hour and a half, we are going to be spending time with an amazing woman named Melissa. Her patronymic is Dawson and her matronymic is Door Daughter. And uh, she's going to be reading poetry from her book, Fragments of Her Story. She's performed her poetry at Glastonbury, at the Greenheart Ecological Center, at the Amsterdam International Festival of Poetry. And she has a lot to share with us. So be sure that if you can't stay for the whole show, you at least come back and listen to Melissa at 9 o'clock or in about an hour and a half. Um, Next week, we are going to have a wonderful guest, a dear old friend of mine, Sultra Malione. But you aren't going to be with us next week. No, Marcy is, and I'm sad not to be here for that show because I actually got to meet her during the summer and um, take one of her courses and – the the five wisdom Dakini course and it was it was really good and she's an amazing woman and I and I've read got to read her new book and she's yeah so everybody is in for a treat and she was so happy to come on the show because she said that she was an old friend of yours and they have a medicinal herb garden at the Tara Mandala where she lives and I got to meet their resident herbalist she was also attending um, the the workshop that I was at so. It was interesting to talk herbs with them. How wonderful. How amazing. Mm -hmm. And is Melissa our our guest tonight? Is she also, is she a past apprentice of yours? You know, I wondered if she was. The name looks very, very familiar. So we'll have to ask her when she comes on. I think think it's quite possible. Um, and mm-hmm. interestingly enough, I was just, I said, okay, you know, it's been 35 years now. I have been training apprentices for 35 years. I started in 1984. Wow. So this, this marks 35 years of training apprentices. And I said, how many women have actually made a commitment to come here and apprentice? Not just applied, but actually said, yes, I'm going to do this. And that number just for the live-in shamanic apprentices, is 526. Wow. More, more <laughs> or less. Now, I could have miscounted one or two. Of those, I estimate that something between 10 and 15 never even showed up. Mm-hmm. Even though they had made the commitment. They just, like, you know, bounced the whole thing right away. So, let's say that it's 511 women mm-hmm. who actually came here to do a shamanic apprentice. 316 graduated. Mm. I am so in awe and so proud of each one of you 
who made that commitment followed through that commitment and graduated from a program that is designed to be exceptionally tough. Hooray for all of you. So 2019 is the year that we celebrate all the apprentices. And I know that That's there's... Awesome. Yeah, I know that Astrid and Lisa are talking about, you know, maybe some kind of gathering and I'm putting out to anybody who apprenticed and graduated, come and visit this year. And then to everybody else, well, come and visit too because who knows who you'll run into. I mean, come on. Some of those past apprentices are famous women. Mm-hmm. Like you. Yeah, and... Um... Actually, we are having another apprentice, not so the week after Mama Solstrom, Alion is going to be on, then um, Yaya Rivera Merriman, I believe is how you say her name. Yeah, all right. She'll be on here. We take a break for the holiday. Yeah, so we're leading up to having some really good women on and she's doing a lot of amazing work right now. I've been following her on social media and yeah, you have a lot of really cool past apprentices. So I'll have to see if I can make yeah. it out there this summer. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Let's yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to celebrate your accomplishments and I'm also putting out that um, I would love for somebody to create some place where apprentices can go um, and brag about their accomplishments. And um, you possibly remember that when my mom died, that was the thing I missed the most. It was like I suddenly realized I didn't have anybody I, I could call up and say, hey, this great thing just happened. Mm-hmm. Because even, you know, with our friends, we don't want to make people jealous. We don't want people to think we're like, uh, you know, I don't know, too focused on ourselves, but it feels really good to say, wow, this cool, great thing happened to me. So Mm -hmm. recognizing that I didn't have that in my life anymore once my mom died, I made a vow to be that place for other people, that anybody could tell me about their successes and that I am genuinely happy about that. And Mm -hmm. I want to see if we can create a space for the apprentices to come and to say, hey, I wrote this book or I got this job or this many people came to my workshop or whatever it is that's really making them feel like, you know, I did it. This is what I wanted. I made a commitment. I followed it through. Yeah, and it would be really just interesting to see what everyone is up to as well and have a place where everybody can, yeah, show what they're up to. That's a great idea. Yeah, so I hope so. Somebody or somebody's is going to pick up on that and say, okay, I'll make that place because I think it should be reasonably easy. But for me, as we know, Susan must at this point now um, actually uh, throw aside everything except working on the book, really and truly. Um, Lisa and I just sat down and did a you know backward timetable, and um, wow. You know, I got my work laid out for me, and I'm going to have to <clears throat> put myself in my seat and tie that grindstone to my nose and just finish it up. No, no more resistance of any kind can be allowed. So, I'm looking forward All to right. a winter very focused on getting this book finished so that it can be in your hands, everybody's hands next fall. Yes, I can see it happening. 
Good. Thank you. <laughs> We're ready. We're ready to be on the recent. <clears throat> All right. Have any questions have, tonight? Yeah, we have quite. We have about six people with their hands raised, and I'll remind the callers to press one if they have a question. And our first caller is coming from the eight four five area code. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hear you. How are you? Oh, I'm great. And Susan, welcome back. We've missed you the last two weeks. I loved Thank your you. Um, Susan, I was looking at some uh, some old information of yours online, um, and it was talking about how to use pine needles, and it was to make a delicious vinegar, balsamic vinegar, and I just wanted to make sure, I, I think you recognize my voice, I'm always a little scared to um, do things, so I wanted to just be sure, if I get a nice bottle, a nice sterilized bottle, and I have my apple cider vinegar that I have boiled already, um, then I can just pour it over the pine needles. And do I pack that bottle, or is it loose? I generally do pack the pine needles in. Okay. What I say is that when you're filling a jar with herbal material, Mm -hmm. you want to create a fairy mattress. Okay. All right? A fairy is going to be very bruised if there's a futon that she has to sleep on. Uh Uh-huh. Right? So it should not be packed to the point where it's hard. There's got to be a little spring, a little give. Now, most of the time, when we're working with plant material, we cut it up. Uh And that allows us to get more plant material into our container, as well as it's more surface. But with Mm -hmm. the pine needles, we don't need to do that. Oh, okay. Take the pine needles and put them in the jar. And it's very interesting. We love pine needle vinegar at the Wise Women's Center. And when the apprentices empty a jar, then they have to go out and make another jar of it, right? Uh So they always have some on hand. And it's very interesting to see how the different apprentices do it. Like some apprentices will go out and they will choose a jar that's just as high as the pine needles and lay them in there, you know, lay the jar on its side and lay them in so that when they're done, it looks like the pine needles are standing up and down. Ah, uh-huh, that's what I thought I would do. That's interesting. But others and do it so beautiful when they do that. And then there's the ones who just take the pine needles and shove them in the jar and they're kind of like every which way. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that works too. You know? <laughs> the fairies can sleep on it without getting a bruise. Exactly. So whatever you do that that the fairy is going to be happy in is going to be just perfect. It And, you know, once your jar is packed, you look at it and you think, well, now what have I done? Now I can't get any vinegar in, but you will be surprised at how much food uh, into that jar. There's a lot of you, air in and around those okay. needles. And you are going to love this vinegar. Pine needle vinegar It's a great thing to do in the wintertime because there's always pine branches that are thrown down by the winds and the storms. And mm-hmm. they're still, you know, on the ground and green. Just harvest those needles, take them on home. People often um, say, to me, white- can I use any pine, Susan? I say, you can. But remember that most pines were used to make turpentine. Turpentine now is... Uh, Byproduct of petroleum, and it's quite dangerous. You right. don't want it. 
use it as a medicine, but previously turpentine was actually something made from plants. And very old uh, veterinary herbals talk about giving animals turpentine. I thought, oh, my gosh, they're killing the animals until I realized what it really was. So pine has the lightest pine taste of any pine tree in our area. And that you'll see the vinegar has a really powerful taste. So you could use another pine tree, but the taste is going to get more and more like turpentine. And so it can be rather eyebrow-raising. Now, somebody sent me from the desert southwest a um, pine vinegar she made with pinion pine needles. Ooh. Oh, that is so marvelous. Wow. Good. You know, one great thing that I often say about herbal medicine, it's very hard to go wrong. Uh, you, you've said that to me. Yeah, that true. Have. Make a little jar of it. Say, gee, I wonder if I could make, you know, pine needle vinegar from this pine. And you make a little jar of it, and you taste it, and you go, oh, yuck. Well, what have you lost? You know, five cents worth of vinegar and tea. Vinegar. I'm <laughs> no biggie. Right, right, so, right. You know, yeah. try things out, make some experiments, throw some things away. It's all good. Right. They all can go in the compost. Susan, do you, when you say it's like balsamic it's vinegar, can I reduce it? Like if I wanted to make it thicker or or make it wilt the salad a little bit, is that is that possible to cook it down a bit? Yes, you certainly can. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. To you. Bye. The next caller is coming from the 907 area code. Hello, 907. Come in. Okay, Susan. I hate to be a downer. You had such a great introductory. Um. I feel like a character out of a Bosch painting. Uh, I think you remember I called a few months ago where I almost was attacked by a moose. And just yes. recent. Yes. You just got to your car in time. <laughs> yeah. Well, just recently I had a, I totaled my Jeep. I had a rollover. And uh, I was able to get out of the jeep i was hanging upside down i was able to pull the shoulder strap over my head because you know my i was like nah you know all the stories that i've heard about people hanging upside down and for hours and i just said yeah that's not going to happen to me and i don't know how i did it but i got it over my head unbuckled myself lost my glasses but i had 2020 vision when i crawled out of my jeep and I had bad eyesight. I had, I could see perfectly. Okay, so I, I survived that with just some neck pain, and I rubbed comfrey, and that, that was like no big deal. Survived. Then we had the earthquake Friday. This <laughs> is like right after the accident. So, like, my mind is so up in space. I remember you saying that about that the native, that we have two souls and you have to bring the other one back. And I can't stick my hands in the ground because it's frozen. And I'm just, how do I get myself? I, I'm just totally out of touch. 
I don't feel like myself. And I don't like the way I'm feeling. It's, it's the trauma. You know, I'll wake up at night and I'll visualize that accident. So. One of the easiest ways to change your mind is to choose something very simple to focus on. For some people, that's a sound, a mantra like OM. For some people, that's an image. And the simplest image is a color. I like to use color as a focus tool because I can see it when an apprentice burned my barn down and killed all of my animals. My mind would throw up on my mental screen my animals in agony being burned alive. And I would replace that with a color. I would just wash the color over that image because that image is not helping me. Mm. And I chose green, and I would wash it with green, and I would say green, green, green. And I would look around me for green, and I would fasten my eyes on something green, and I would just say green, look at green, and be green. Until I was able to go on to the next thing. A more complicated thing that one can do when one has had several traumatic things is to do a book. And it's a book of things you tell yourself about those events. And you tell yourself those things over and over and over and over again. And the book stops that over and over again. So you can write any of these statements in the book. But once you've written in the in your book, you are no longer allowed to say it or think it. Oh, I like that. You can read the book anytime you want to, but you're no longer allowed to say or think those things. They're in the book. And that's where they can stay. Yeah, because that's what I am doing. I'm just like sitting and then getting fearful and yeah yeah came out of this thing <laughs> I mean I rolled my jeep a couple of times and I came out of it unscathed and just I should just be I should actually be happy yes not that you should be happy as my teachers say don't should on yourself But happy is a choice. One of the choices you can make is to say, I am so blessed to be alive. I felt so blessed on my journey. I really felt like Paris welcomed me and wanted me there. The first day we went out for a walk at San Clue, St. Cloud, and uh, we stopped at an overlook. And when I turned uh, from the overlook and there was a stone bench behind me and on it was an umbrella and the color of the autumn beautiful gold color that everybody was wearing this autumn in Paris um, that had clearly been left there and I said 
Oh, thank you, Paris. Thank you for providing me with an umbrella. I hadn't brought one with me. And it proceeded, of course, to rain for the next seven days. But I didn't feel that Paris was raining on me. I felt that Paris loved me and had provided me with an umbrella. Mm. We were looking at the um, all the Christmas decorations in the big department stores um, on Lafayette um, and uh, trying to decide if we were going to walk to Sacre-Cœur or take the subway. It was just a few stops, but in the end, there was no straight way to walk, and we thought we'd get lost, so we did take the subway. And then when we got there, we thought, shall we walk up all those stairs, or shall we take the lift? And I said, let's just take the lift, and we did. And because we made those two decisions, we walked into the Basilica of Sacre-Cœur just as the nuns began their half-hour rehearsal of their singing. Uh I felt so loved and so welcomed and so taken care of by the city of Paris. We can choose what story yeah. we're telling ourselves. We can always choose what story we're telling ourselves. Yeah. And when we see we're telling ourselves a story we don't like, it's okay to change it. To learn to do that because I am dark. I have to change. Invite yourself to change. Don't shoot on yourself. Don't force yourself. Don't right. make it a task. Invite yourself to, to to play with delight. To mm. you've heard of paranoia, right? Oh yeah. Well, did you know that there's something called pronoia? The unsupported belief that the universe is out to do you good. I'm going to write that one down. Pro-noia. There's even books about it. I am definitely a subscriber to Pro-noia. I believe. Pro-noia. I believe that the city of Paris wanted me there, welcomed me there, and made things beautiful, easy, and fun for me. That isn't to say I was unaware of the fact that there were riots. I saw the sky turn red from the fires. But my story didn't take me into those areas when that was happening. They, I was far away. Right. Right. Well. I mean, what an adventure your life is, my goodness. It is. It is. It is an adventure. It is. It is an adventure. Wild adventure. Look at what you've survived. Gracious goodness. How blessed you are. When when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross first met me, the first words she said to me weren't hello. They were, did they charge you extra on the airplane? And, of course, I was kind of dumbfounded. What is the woman saying to me? You know, my mouth must have been drooping open. open. And she says, I've never met anybody with so many spirit guides. Did they charge you extra on the airplane? And I said, no, spirit guides fly free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's for sure. You, too, have a great many spirit guides who are there protecting you and taking care of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was was amazing because when when it stopped, it literally felt like a cushion. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you, Susan. You're welcome. Green blessings. Thanks for calling and sharing all the excitement with us. Thank you. (laughs) Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from a private number, if you know who you are. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Susan. Um, I have a question regarding the dandelion root infusion. Okay. Because uh, on the literature that I have read from you, it says to use uh, basically the root tincture. So is there a reason why we're supposed to be using the tincture um, for liver health as opposed to an infusion? I'm not sure where the supposed is coming from. So if you look at my book, my green book, right, Healing Uh Wise, where I talk about dandelion, um, I talk about using dandelion in a huge number of different ways, anywhere from dandelion wine to cook dandelion greens to dandelion root vinegar. What I say and have said for years and years and years is dandelion is the most generous of all plants. Any part of dandelion harvested any day of the year and prepared in any way makes good medicine. Mm -hmm. So where in any of that is it supposed to? Um, There's no supposed to. It just says everywhere. You are making the supposed to, not me. Yeah. Is it safe? So if so you don't a- want it to be supposed to, take it away. You're the one who put it in in the first place. <laughs> okay. I know. So can, I can do the infusion, right? No problem. That's all I'm No problem. Any yeah, part of dandelion harvested any day of the year prepared in any way makes a great remedy. Okay. Perfect. All right. I was specifically looking for liver health, and it kept coming up with um, the root tincture. As so opposed to infusion. What makes you think that your liver is unhealthy? Um, so that will lead into the, the second thing. I actually was, um, I, I have like an idiopathic pain in my right shoulder that's lasted over a year. And I was, I've been seeing massage therapists and chiropractors. And the, so it has not been able to alleviate the pain. And the osteopath that I was seeing sent me to a really... Um, experience or really great acupuncturist. Mm-hmm. I walked in the door and I was told that she meditated on me and there's dark stuff in front of my lungs. So she will not treat me um, because she sees that there is something really wrong with either my lungs or liver, gallbladder, spleen, or pancreas. And I she wants me to get x-rays and ultrasounds, and no doctor is going to write that for me because they're like, what is the basis of this? You have a musculoskeletal problem, and why is this person telling you that um, you possibly have, well, I don't want to use the word, but it starts with the C, so I'd rather keep that energy out. So so I just started looking up stuff for liver Not health. talking about pink elephants doesn't keep them away. Okay, so yeah, she meant you know so, lung cancer. You know, so if this person meditated on you and mm-hmm. saw dark spots, yeah, like um, a really dark. I, spot. you know, 
I have n- n- not really found it that difficult to get the medical mm-hmm. profession to uh, do a diagnostic test. If um, And there was a situation in which I did want um, mm-hmm. to have an X-ray of my lungs, and I mm-hmm. went to a walk-in um, emergency mm-hmm. center. They're all over mm-hmm. the place now. And I told them that I had a very bad cough and that I had been coughing for months. Okay. And they said, oh, well, you need to have a lung x-ray. I said, oh, all right, which is exactly what I wanted, right? So you just make up the symptom that will make them give you that test. What? Yeah, so I I didn't do that, and then the doctor just poo-pooed everything. You know, if somebody said to me, my gosh, I meditated on you, and there were dark spots in your lungs, I would figure out a way to get a a lung x-ray, because that pink elephant is now in the room. Yes, it is. It is in the room. And that was one of the reasons I wanted a lung x-ray, because my mom smoked when she was pregnant with me and every single day of life that I lived with my mom until I moved out to go to college she smoked. I'm at greater risk of lung cancer than she was. Secondhand smoke is far worse for you than firsthand smoke. Correct. Right. So I really did at that point because I was getting some kind of funny internal messages want to see and and again because I was at that center um, and not you know like at a regular doctor's office I was actually able to insert myself into a situation where I could see the x-ray also, which is what I wanted. Now, let me tell you this. Cancer Mm -hmm. on an x-ray is white, not black. Okay. Because cancer is solid. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So seeing black things, it would be the absence of cancer, wouldn't it? She didn't see an Cancer is not old, dark material. Cancer is new, young, bright, healthy material. If cancer was old, dark stuff, it would never kill us. It kills us because it is the fastest reproducing, the most alive, brightest cells in the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... So I don't even really know what somebody's talking about when they say, I saw dark spots. No, she didn't see a dark spot on the X-ray. She just med- As I walked into the room, she said, I meditated on you before you got here, and I see black stuff all over your lungs. So, and that's um, what and I'm then- saying. Black stuff all over your lungs does not indicate cancer. Yeah. And then I went back to the osteopath oh, and right. recommended her, and she's like, I won't challenge this woman. All over she's your next. lungs would indicate cancer. Pardon? Bright stuff all over your lungs would indicate cancer, not dark stuff. Yeah, and then she also said to get liver, pancreas, uh, spleen, and uh, gallbladder ultrasounds because she suspects it could be in either of those areas because the right shoulder is, you know, Idiopathically what, is your body, what does your body say about this? Well, my body says that it's best to get it checked out now. That's then, the message I'm getting. But it doesn't get say it it's, Yeah, it doesn't say it's at least you should be able to, you know, to get a, a, a 
lung x-ray, a chest x-ray. That's you know, pretty standard. The other things, um, usually what you would do is start with blood work. So you would have yeah. work. You would look at creatinine in your for kidney function, you would look at liver enzymes, see how your liver is functioning. You could look at pancreatic enzymes. There's a lot you can learn about how those organs are functioning through a simple blood draw. And if you don't have a doctor who will, at your request, write a script for a blood draw to look at liver function and kidney function, then figure out something else to do. Uh, one year, I, I got a done in July, and it was all normal. There you go. Yeah. So you know I what? Know. Sometimes people who say they're psychic are <laughs> psychic. wrong tree. Sometimes you just have to say, well... This is the friend that I always ask about movies because her taste is exactly the opposite of mine. If she likes a movie, I'll hate it. If she hated it, I'll like it. We all have friends like that, don't we? We do. We do. She's well-meaning, I guess, but yeah. You know, exactly. Like some psychic said to me, I see your bones are very thin. You need to take calcium supplements. I thought, not only is she a jerk who can't see how healthy my bones are, but she doesn't even know how to make bones healthy. So you are the ultimate. So I, you know, I've been waiting to talk to you about this because I said, well, you know, um, I mean, I don't feel it, but then I, I just think I should get it checked out anyways. And but you did get it checked out. Your liver and your kidneys, if they were normal in July, they're not sick now. Yeah, exactly. So you know and. and if you want to do it again, well, you can do it again. But Well, I can always, um, you know, take the um, advice that you've just given me about the lung x-ray, and I think the doctors will do it. Because I just couldn't find a way to influence the doctor, because I just went and kind of blurted out exactly the sequence of events as they unfolded, and he's like, what are you talking about? What are you uh, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so he's like, no, sorry, I can't do it for you. This, and then I went to another one, said the same thing, and I got the exact same response. How right. can a just go, just go to an em- emergency place? You know what I'm talking about, right? Not an emergency room. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I get it, like a walk-in or urgent care place. Walk-in urgent care place, exactly. Yeah, I get the idea. Can I just quickly ask one more thing about Pap smears? My doctor's sure. urging me to get a Pap smear, and I. I haven't Would ha- you I've please only had one. your nail and scrape the inside of your cheek? That's what we do when we do a pap smear. It's yeah. as innocuous as that. The lining inside your cheek is a mucous surface. The surface of the cervix is a mucous surface. Just like taking your fingernail and scraping a little mucus from your cheek, we take a wooden implement very nicely rounded and scrape a little mucus from the cervix. Have you had a pap smear in the past three years? No, I had it six years ago. And the one and only. Probably a good idea. I mean, if you're in a strictly monogamous sexual relationship and the two of you have not had sex with anybody else over the past six years, you're probably okay not having it. But if there's any possibility at all that there was ever anybody in there in the past six years, it's worthwhile doing it. Okay. Got it. Thank you ever so much. 
You're welcome. Green blessing. You're wonderful. You really are. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Our next caller is coming from the 970 area code. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, so I saw a dentist for the first time in like 19 or 14 years. And he, I have a lot of uh, decay and damage and some um, like baby teeth still. So they're recommending that I get eight. Some of your teeth are still baby. Some of your teeth are still baby teeth. Yeah. Yeah, I never had adult teeth. The come adult in teeth never erupted. Right. And which they teeth didn't they? exist? Um, I don't know the names of them. They're like the first molar shaped tooth. Okay. Right next to my like canine on the bottom. On mm-hmm. the sides. Mm-hmm. So they're recommending that I have um, those teeth out, and I have Are a few other teeth. Are the teeth in your gums under them? No. And why are they recommending you have them out? Because of the amount of decay? Uh, yeah, they're failing. Um, so they're recommending I get um, implants in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said you, that the uh, recovery graft, time... Well, you need a bone graft to support those implants? Yep, bone grafts, and I need um sinus lift on both sides, too, because I have two... Two more teeth on the upper, um, like the matching teeth on the upper side, because there was no like biting surface. Uh-huh. Those ones have decayed. The bone grafts generally too. go very well. Most okay. people tolerate the bone grafts and the implants with no problem. The sinus lift will probably cause you to be in pain for the rest of your life. Okay. Um, so so can they just do a bone graft and not do a sinus lift? They sure can. Okay. Okay. Um, so I yeah, we, have, they... we have to understand that when we present a dental professional um, with a situation in which there has been basically no care for over a decade that what they're going to do is to envision you with a perfect mouth. And they are going to endeavor to create that perfect mouth for you, even if it has nothing to do with you. Okay. So what we have to do is to make sure that everything that's done is really for us and the way we want it to be. Not the perfect dentition that they're trying to create. I had a dear friend who similarly did not go to the dentist until things were very, very bad indeed in her mouth. In fact, what they suggested to her was rip it all out and get dentures. And that's what she did. And the dentures, they made her the perfect mouth of teeth, but they bear no relationship whatsoever to her teeth or her mouth or her face. Mm 
Now, granted, she's not independently wealthy, so she did not have money, right? She's uh, a, you know, person who was, you know, basically relying on whatever assistance she could get for it. But nonetheless, the point is that that's what dentists are going to do. It's how they're trained, is to give you perfect dentition. But maybe that isn't what you want. So you don't think, they said that they're like, if I don't get the sinus lift, then I could have a a perforation um, from that tooth to my sinus, essentially like a hole. Do you not agree with that? What is a sinus? Um, Just like, I mean, a hole in your face. Uh, Yes, a sinus is a hole. Okay. So we're worried of if we don't do surgery in. on your sinuses that it might make a hole. Okay. That's fair. The surgery will make a hole, won't it? I don't know what a sinus lift is, I guess. Well, it's surgery. If it's surgery, you're going to be cut. That's a hole. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And if you don't know what it is, don't agree to it until you know exactly what it is, exactly what they're going to do, exactly what the consequences are. And if I don't know about something, before I agree to it, I do my best to talk to people. Mm -hmm. This is how I can tell you that most people tolerate bone grafts and implants pretty well because I have talked to people and asked, asked people about it. Mm-hmm. What was this like for you? You know, how long was the recovery? How did it go? And people in a great many situations, people who weren't paying much money for it, people who were paying a lot of money for it. And at this point, it's pretty well become, you know, standard, like a thing that most, you know, well-trained dentists will know how to do and do well. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so a sinus, are, is, okay. sinus lift is basically plastic surgery. Okay. And we're talking about changing the shape of your face. Hmm. Okay. So, and is there a possibility that I'm wrong? Check it out for yourself and see. Mm-hmm. But I know there was a woman who... Well, we said that she worked for me, but the fact of the matter is that in a year of working for me, I think she managed to come to work twice. Uh, So we both, you know, laugh at it. And partly because she had sinus surgery, which put her into such severe pain that she could no longer work. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess I just need to find out what what they mean by sinus about what what are we really talking about here right yeah we're talking about a little brazier for my sinuses to perk them up are we really talking about cutting into my skull and breaking my bones right right you can't lift the sinus it's a hole in your skull (laughs) 
Okay, so the the main reason why I was calling tonight is um, for the extractions, they recommend just doing them all at the same time because the recovery is essentially the same whether you have one or eight is what they told me. And so I was just wondering about um, some natural pain reduction and some, like, quick healing techniques that I can put in place. For most of us, what's most important is that we get through the pain without resorting to the use of opioid drugs. Mm -hmm. So no Oxycontin, no Fentanyl, nothing like that. For a great many people, it's also very important to get through the pain without using opiate drugs. Right, the opioids are by far the more addicting, and there are hundreds of thousands of people addicted in the United States who thought they were just getting through an episode of pain and who now can't stop taking the drug because the withdrawal symptoms are too severe. The opiates also have withdrawal symptoms. There is another type of pain control system in the body that is not part of the opiate opioid system, and it is the cannabis system. Mm-hmm. Cannabis is a tremendous pain reliever. It is not addictive at all. It can be taken in small amounts, frequently, so that only the amount that you need is used. When I fell in Costa Rica and broke my wrist, although I didn't know at the time I had broken it, I thought it was a severe strain, I had some high CBD tincture with me because a friend of mine had made it and given me some. And I found that two to four drops of that tincture taken alternating with skullcap tincture about two hours apart, so I take a dose of the high CBD cannabis tincture, and then within two hours, I would be feeling some pain, and I would take some skullcap tincture, and about mm-hmm. two hours later, I'd be feeling some pain, I'd take some cannabis tincture, and so on. But that was all that I needed to completely control the pain. And by completely control the pain, I mean so that I was able to talk, function, go out on field trips, and so on. Mm-hmm. I also, before any dental work, um, very assiduously brush my teeth and rinse my mouth with yarrow tincture. And especially um, on the day of that, I have some yarrow tincture with me. Yarrow tincture helps to prevent infections. If I'm going to be doing something in, in a situation in which a doctor might offer an antibiotic, um, then I would start taking a genacea tincture at least three or four dropperfuls, three or four times a day for up to a week before the surgery and accept the script for the antibiotic from the doctor, but don't fill it. Continue to take the echinacea, take more, take it more frequently if you need to, then only mm-hmm. fulfill the script for the antibiotic if there's actual, actual need for it. Between mm-hmm. the yarrow and the echinacea, there shouldn't be. But, of course, that's what's different about eight rather than one. That's what's different about what? About eight rather than one. Mm-hmm. 
if I cut you with a knife one time, or I cut you with a knife eight times, the length of the healing is the same, yes? Mm-hmm. Is it the same no. healing? It's not, is it? No. No, it is easier to heal from one cut than it is from eight cuts done simultaneously, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, are you doing what they suggest because it is the best for you? Or is it because it's the best for them? Right. Right? The conservative approach is that you remove teeth from one quarter of the mouth and you remove all of the teeth in that quarter that need to be removed. Mm-hmm. So that would theoretically have you going back for four extractions, giving you some time in between to heal. Yes, that would mean that the time that you're in some discomfort would be extended over a longer period of time with the trade-off that that pain should itself be far less. Mm-hmm. If I had eight rocks to drop on your foot, would you rather that I dropped all eight rocks at once on your foot or a rock once a month for eight months? <laughs> Probably once a month for eight months. Right. Right? It's okay to put yourself first. This is about you. This is about taking care of you. You are not there to make their lives better and easier. Mm-hmm. You have no responsibility to them except to show up when you say you're going to show up and be a real person. You know, don't dump on them. Don't mm-hmm. freak out on them. But other than that, you're not required to make them feel good. It's not part of the contract. Cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's about you. You've made a very wise decision to take care of what's going on in your mouth. Hooray for you. I applaud you. Wasn't an easy thing for you to do. Thank you. You're welcome. Drink your nourishing herbal infusions? Yes. Get yourself a lot of yarrow. And I uh, good. And keep us informed as you go through this because we're interested now. Okay. Thanks. All right. Me. Good. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Bye. Blessings. Looking forward to hearing from you. Bye. The next caller is coming from the 718 area code. Hello. Hello. Hi. Are you there in the 718? I I am. I'm here. Tell us what's up tonight. Um, 
So um, this is actually my first time calling in, so I'm very excited to speak to you. Um, I'm calling in because I've been in a health situation that is um, very exhausting. So pretty much last week I went to the hospital because I was feeling just very weak. I just wasn't able to function normally. Um, And it turns out that my uh, hemoglobin hemoglobin level was at a 7.6 and um, a long story short um, by the end of the night it ended up going down to a 6.8 and I needed a blood transfusion and it's pretty much because um, I've had a lot of blood loss due to very heavy periods and very um, my periods would last anywhere from 10 to up to 20 days straight um, and then I spend two weeks without it, maybe, and then um, I'd get my period again. Um, I don't have fibroids. I don't have cysts. Um, I was diagnosed with uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome a couple of years ago, um, and pretty much I'm on a heavy, high dosage of birth control right now to stop the bleeding and, you know, work on my blood levels and iron levels, but... Um, even just with the high dosage of birth control, I'm just in a lot of pain. I'm nauseous all the time. Uh, my breasts are extremely sore. Um, you know, just, I don't, I really don't know what to do. Um, I was kind of hoping there was another approach to my situation. Tell me a little bit about your diet. Um, so I'm definitely not the healthiest person around. Um, I I don't work out. I have I worked out before, um, but I haven't in a really long time. Um, I eat everything and anything. Okay. Do you know about nourishing herbal infusions? Can you say that again? <clears throat> Nourishing herbal infusions are a special way of preparing and drinking herbs. Mm-hmm. A few months back, um, sometime this year, someone either called the show or is one of my correspondence course students. I honestly don't remember, and I don't try to remember. Um, mm-hmm. Told me that she had a genetic problem of very low iron, lower than the level where they gave you the transfusion. Mm-hmm. And that nothing that the doctors had done budged her iron level because of her genetics. And I suggested that she start drinking nourishing herbal infusions with a special emphasis on nettle infusion. To make a nourishing nettle infusion, you buy dried nettle Weigh out with a scale one ounce of dried nettle. Put it in a quart jar and fill the jar to the top of the boiling water. Mm-hmm. Stir the nettle until it's thoroughly wet. Fill the jar up with a little more water if you need to. Put a tight lid on the jar and let it sit for four hours or overnight. Whichever works better for you. Then strain it out, squeezing the nettle to get all the liquid out of it. And refrigerate your nourishing nettle infusion. My goal is to drink a quart of infusion every day. 
Mm. Well, she called us back within two months and said that the doctors were astonished that the iron level of her blood had doubled. And it was the only thing that she had ever tried that had in any way changed her body's ability to utilize iron. Now, you don't have to drink singing nettle every single day. There are other herbs that I use for nourishing herbal infusion. Oat straw, for instance, and you make it just the same, buy dried oat straw, weigh out one ounce of oat straw, one quart of boiling water to the one ounce of oat straw, let it steep for four hours or overnight, strain it, refrigerate it, drink it. You can drink it hot, you can drink it cold. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I also very much like linden, linden flowers, and it's an anti-inflammatory you could use as little as half an ounce of linden. It's a little more expensive. It's a little fluffier, so half an ounce works fine. And comfrey leaves. Comfrey, in a roundabout way, slows down bleeding because it acts as a tonic to the uterus. Mm-hmm. Comfrey makes all tissues stronger. More flexible, but tougher. Mm-hmm. The things that I find give the fastest results mm-hmm. for women who bleed very heavily are mm-hmm. to, first of all, eliminate all raw food from the diet. Raw food? Eliminate all raw food. With the exception of raw meat or raw milk or raw eggs. But no fruit of any kind. And especially not raw fruit. Fruit and raw fruit increase your body's desire to bleed. Mm -hmm. And we don't want that. Mm -hmm. More baked things. It's a good time to do more baked sweet potato, more baked squash, more roasted vegetables. More baked things, heat. Mm-hmm. It's thought in China that any time there's bleeding, it's because the body is too cold and it can't hold on to its vital fluids. So we want to heat the body deeply. Mm-hmm. More animal fat, animal fat at every meal. And it doesn't have to be meat. Butter is animal fat. Eggs are animal fat. Fish is animal fat. Full fat yogurt, full fat cheeses, those are all animal fat too. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and I would be remiss if I did not mention that a great many people find that yellow dock is a wonderful ally in helping to increase and maintain iron levels. Although yellow dock itself does not contain iron, singing nettle actually contains iron. It actually feeds your body iron. It's like a transfusion in a teacup. Whereas the yellow dock actually changes how your body handles the iron that's available to it. As we find that people, especially women who bleed a lot, that there might actually be enough iron available to them, but their body is not actually picking it up and using it. 
So it can be very helpful, especially in the beginning when you're very feeling very weak and very run down, to be drinking nettle infusion and taking some yellow dock tincture to really help maximize that. Plus, as I'm sure you know, the two highest sources of iron are blackstrap molasses and liver. And I always encourage women who have bleeding difficulties to make liver, and organic liver is the cheapest organic meat you can buy usually, make liver a standard item in your diet. If you eat liver even as little as once a month, Mm -hmm. you will really change your body's relationship to iron. Blackstrap molasses, of course, can just be stirred into a glass of cold or warm water and drunk down very easily at any time. You're looking for a beverage. Mm-hmm. You can even put blackstrap molasses in your nettle infusion. Mm-hmm. Not to even mention blackstrap molasses cookies. Hey, it's cookie time. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I mean, that's nice about the birth control. You want to get off the birth control. Well, um, when you say you're on the heaviest birth control there is, could you tell me exactly what you mean by that? No, I'm on a higher dosage than um, I was before because um, I was on birth control to regulate the bleeding, but I started bleeding through the birth control. So um, they put me on a higher dosage, and then I started uh, taking a Three pills, and then uh, they I'm didn't down. put you on. They suggested you take a higher dose, but I do believe you're the one who went to the drugstore and filled that prescription. Uh, yeah. So they didn't put you on anything, did they? No. They gave sure. you a prescription which you filled. I would yep. like to stand in your power here. Sure. Because if they put you on it, then they have to take you off. But if you chose, then you can unchoose. Absolutely. Okay. So what are the birth control pills doing? The idea of birth control pills is that we will create a natural situation in a woman's body because the natural situation for a woman is that she should be pregnant or lactating. Right. Right? Right. And so by giving women birth control pills, we makes their bodies more natural. And, of course, when you're pregnant, you are not menstruating. So you're not ovulating is perhaps a clearer way to say it. So I'm not even really sure where this blood is coming from. Um, Since you're clear for fibroids and, I guess, clear for endometriosis. Yeah. Um, because you shouldn't be building up an endometrium because you don't have the hormones to signal that while you're taking birth control pills. If you don't want to take the birth control pills, then don't take the birth control pills and see what happens. Because if something bad happens, what's to stop you from taking them again? Mm-hmm. Nothing, right? Right. This is completely in your control, yes? You're the one who gets the prescription. You're the one who takes the pills. So if you say, great, this month I'm taking them for two weeks, and then I'm going to stop taking them and see what happens, 
And if it looks like something bad is happening, then I can start testing them again. I still have two weeks worth, right? Right. It's not like you're worried that you're going to get pregnant, am I right? No, I'm not worried. Not worried that you're going to get pregnant. Okay, so I'm not suggesting something that could endanger you because you could get pregnant. Since you're not using them to prevent pregnancy, it doesn't matter if you take them in any particular pattern. In fact, the safest way to take birth control pills is to take one every single day and not to have any time when you don't take them. The whole thing about that take them for three weeks and then don't take them for the for a week, that was mandated by the Catholic Church. Mm. It has nothing to do with medical opinion or your health. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that birth control pills are inherently bad. Mm-hmm. They reduce the risk of ovarian cancer. By a huge amount, by 1,000%. They reduce the risk of breast cancer. Mm. They help women keep their uterus because the first and foremost cause for the removal of the uterus is heavy bleeding. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So hysterectomy or birth control pills, well, golly gee, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? (laughs) Especially since once... We agreed to a hysterectomy. We have to fight like like wildcats to keep your ovaries. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is the birth control pills are a blessing. They may be a mixed blessing, but they are a blessing. Okay. And if you want to see what it's like without them, then stop taking them for a while and see what it's like without them. Okay. Well, um, I definitely want now, to work on If I were going to do that, I would be sure that I had a bottle of shepherd's purse tincture on hand. Because shepherd's purse tincture, tincture stops profuse bleeding, in the words of a midwife friend, like somebody turned the faucet off. Okay. So mm-hmm. if you're going to, you know, say, oh, I wonder if I'm going to start bleeding really heavily if I start stop taking these birth control pills, then you have your shepherd's purse on hand. And if you do, then you take your shepherd's purse, you stop the bleeding, and you go back to taking the birth control pills, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's what I'm mostly afraid of. The symptoms from the birth control pills are, are tough. That's what um, I'm dealing with right now. But I kind of wanted to get um, my iron and blood, you know, at a better in a better place, exactly. Before I get off on birth control, before I get off the birth control. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. you got a good plan laid out for yourself. Okay. Right. Okay. And call back in six or eight weeks and let me know what's going on. And let's see, you know, how you're doing. If that's okay with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 646 area code. How many more do we have, Rebecca? While I had just, you. Uh, this, there's just two callers. Caller oh, and good. The, okay. Another one. Good. I can do that. Plenty of time. 
Hello? Hey there in the 646. Hi. Yes, I'm here. Hello? Hi. What's up tonight? Hi. Hi, Susan. I'm grateful to talk with you. Thank you for all the work that you've done and are doing. Um, it's really, it's wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, I, um, I haven't had my period in just over a year. Um, and I'm, I'm new to herbal infusions. Um, I had actually emailed you a short while ago. I was working at White Pine Community Farm for a short stint um, and um, turned out to be too much for me. I've been through a lot of change, um, career change, financial change, um, loss of my home, tremendous amount of stress that's gone on. And earlier in the year, I was diagnosed with a non-tumor-forming fungal cancer um, and lymphatic blockage, and there was also metal toxicity, aluminum, mold that identified. Excuse me, who diagnosed this? Um, it was through uh, a Zyto scan. I had a thermography, for, full body thermography uh-oh, first, uh-oh. and then I had a Zyto scan. Oh, uh oh. You're in the hands of scammers. Yeah, it's a, this is Dr. Cowden's, you know, program. It's not like the typical ending. It's his program. Um, well, I know oh, what you're you in mean. the hands of a mass scammer. How much better? Uh, you're aware of him? I'm not talking about him personally. I'm talking about this bunk that you're talking about. Okay. Well, I had, I did have All some, of these diagnoses are issues. bunk. Okay. Complete bunk. There's nothing real here at all. Still, I haven't had my period in a year. I mean, there's been a 10 How years of you? health challenges. How old are you? I am, I just turned 43. Well, okay. welcome to menopause. I know that's not what it is, Susan. Okay, what is it then? Um, I... None of the things had, that you just mentioned would interfere with your menses, even if they were like real. I, said, I, I believe it's the stress, and then there were also some I emotional issues. I do believe it's stress, but I also do believe that it has to be that you're beginning menopause. I understand that I, it's I, not the whole thing. I don't, I don't believe that, that. It's not the whole thing. There were some structural issues from a bike accident um, as well that, that uh, I went to another DO, so what's um, menopause? I'm sorry? What is menopause? Again, I, I just don't believe that's what it is. I've been so what, healthy. I'm asking you what menopause is because I don't think that we are, uh, we are in agreement about what menopause is. What is menopause? To me, menopause is that period of 10 to 15 years during which a woman moves from being a fertile woman who can conceive to being a woman who holds her wise blood inside. It is a process, just like puberty is a process. And we could say, you know, of a 12-year-old who would say, well, I'm not, I'm not in puberty, we would say, yeah, yeah, but this behavior, this is part of it. Yes, you are. You are starting that journey. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you're through menopause. It's a 
period of time. It's not a, it, just like puberty was not the first day you bled and only that day. It was a whole series of mental, emotional, physical changes. Well, there were also a series of, of years uh, where I was like that earlier woman who called in where I was not taught to nourish myself and put myself first. And there were comments made by my father. There were, you know, that I n- never really realized had impacted me. And yeah. since that's what I believe has, has been a lot of this impact is I have not been following the path I intended for me. Um, I and hear you, and no um, doctor is going to be able to change that. And well, no protocol that is going to be able to change that. I think that's very true, and I'm very happy to hear you say that. I think that's critically important. And this has nothing to do with metal toxicity or non-tumor-forming fungal cancer. They were telling me there was aluminum, and it was a liver block in the aluminum. What? And that was it's creating a hormonal not. imbalance. I'm sorry. They can tell you all they want, but it's untrue. The liver well, is not a storage organ. The liver is a flow-through organ. Every drop of blood in your body passes through your liver every hour. Aluminum doesn't deposit in the liver. It's simply not anatomically or physiologically correct information. That's what I'm saying. It's bunk. Well, I, you know, it's hard to summarize everything in a call like this, but I it wasn't just that under- doctor that and even analyzed if there this was, information, the thermography you know, was there in as well. your liver, it wouldn't stop your menses. I don't think that was the only reason. Like I said, I think there was a lot of anger. It would have no process- effect on your menses is what I'm saying. None of this would have any effect on your menses. So are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions? That's why I called. I was going to start the the five that you talk about in your YouTube videos and add a few I'm, others. I'm, you hear that? And add what? Um, and, and add red, red, red raspberry leaf to it as well. Um, uh, I wanted to ask with the linden flower, is it just the leaves or the flower? Is there any difference between that? And do I it's, need to have... Wait, let's go For back. Example, oh, Excuse me, wait. You just ask if it's the, with the linden flower, is it the leaf? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I saw. Linden I saw flower. Hi, linden flower. Okay. okay. Flower. Now, here's the confusion. There is a large herbal distributor, Mountain Rose, who writes linden leaf and flower on their bag, and there's no leaves in it at all because the flower has a green part. Okay. Okay, so if you buy it from Mountain Rose, it's going to say leaf and flower. It's not, but that's just fine. Don't worry about it. It's mislabeled. I think they were out of it. I went to another store that was local in the city in New York, and they had separate bags for some reason. I can't remember it right now. Linden flower. Okay. And then in terms of... And the flower will have green parts. There will be in the flower things that look like leaves. That's part of the flower. The leaves themselves are dark green. The green part of the flower is light green. And, for example, the woman that you talked about who used oat straw to get her libido back, um, is, is, 
did she have to drink that every day, for example, or how, can I rotate these? Rotate, rotate through the five infusions. That works just fine. So every and day, thinking of infusion. using the raspberry leaf because um, I thought it was a uterine toner, and it was also part of um, helping to helping to return the period. It tends to have the opposite effect. It's an oh. astringent drying herb. Okay. Okay. In so just terms focus on the thighs? Of women who feel that their menses have stopped too soon, that they've entered menopause too soon, um, rather than raspberry, I like Vitex. And I like Vitex, Vitex tincture in large amounts, three to four dropperfuls at a time, three or four times a day. Okay. And that has a direct effect on the pineal and pituitary glands. Okay. And the pineal and pituitary glands can be affected by stress. They have to produce the hormonal signals that cause ovulation, which then causes the endometrium to build up, which then can result in menstruation if no fertilization of the egg takes place. But there has to be ovulation and there has to be the buildup of the endometrium in order for there to be menstruation. So... Again, this is why I'm saying that none of these bunk diagnoses could in any way affect your menses. Okay. I mean, I have another... Vitex can directly affect the major hormonal pathways that will bring that back. And this has been true for women five to six years older than you who suddenly decide they want a child and mm-hmm. are able to conceive. Um, mm-hmm. If you are thinking that menopause means that somehow you're missing something or losing something, I do want to reassure you that hundreds of thousands of women um, my age and older, and I'm turning 73 in a couple of months, um, don't take hormones, have never taken hormones, and are hale, hearty, and healthy because menopause doesn't really um, make much difference in your hormones, and it's certainly not the end of your estrogen, since human women make 30 kinds of estrogen, and at menopause, you lose one of them. And I'll be able to look at the recording of this call right later. I don't need to write all of it down now. Okay. As well as my my, book on menopause, as well as my book. And my libido is not the same. I mean, the sensitivity in my body... I know, you don't want to hear it. I understand. There's a wonderful woman named Rosetta Reitz, and she actually made a living going around the United States saying menopause. She was the only person saying menopause. Most herbal books don't even have the word in them, especially ones written by men. It's okay. It's okay. That's where you're headed, is menopause. You've just taken the first step on the path. It's all right. It's a long path. It's interesting. I've just met someone that I really, really think I can make a life with and may want to have children. They want to have children. Hooray for Vitex. Hooray for Vitex. It resets the clock.
Okay. Absolutely safe herb to take in any quantity. And when you the the, the difference between doing the herbal infusions, for example, like oat straw versus herbal infusions, is I wanted to better understand the difference. I don't know what you're contrasting. Um, I mean, if I couldn't do the herbal infusions, it, will, will the tinctures suffice? Or? Absolutely not. Okay. Sure. Instead of eating spinach, you can take a dropper full of spinach juice. Okay. No. No. You can do the infusions or you're not doing the infusions. The infusions are the infusions. Nothing replaces them. And you can do them. And those same infusions will help. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I need to get to the last caller. Um, those herbal infusions will also support stress management. Absolutely. The, and the repair from many, many, many years of stress and following the wrong path. Yes. And sooner than you think. Okay. All right. Okay. Jet. All right. All right. Thank let me you. get to this last person before I guess. Okay. Thanks Please very much. Bye. Bye. And the last caller before the guest arrives is from the 603 area code. Yes, hi. I'll make this fast, Susan. Thank you. Okay, I have a terrible frontal headache as well as uh, severe pain in uh, the neck and and in the head just above the neck. And have you made that- friends with Hypericum perforatum, known as St. John's Wort or St. Jones Wort? The tincture is a tremendous ally in relieving all kinds of musculoskeletal pain, which is what you're talking about, as well as being a real specific for helping women who have headaches. With headaches, I do like to combine it with a little bit of skull cap. Well, now, there's an obvious one as an ally for someone dealing with headaches. Yay, skull cap. Again, remembering that when I talk about skull cap, I'm talking about skull cap made from fresh skull cap. It's very volatile, assassin to urban. The real powers of it just dry up. So when a tincture is made from the dried plant, eh, you really got to have to take like four or five times more to even approach the same level of effectiveness. I'm sorry that I didn't leave enough time to really spend time with you. I hope you call back next week and we can talk for a longer time. Green blessing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And we welcome Melissa. Melissa's patronymic is Dawson and her matronymic is Doors Daughter. She was born in London, England in 1981. Studied anthropology and world religion at the smallest university in Europe. Melissa has performed her poetry at Glastonbury Music Festival at the Greenheart Ecological Center in Ibiza, and at the Amsterdam International Festival of Poetry. Melissa's life has been significantly marked by her experiences of sexual abuse, and she has spent a great part of young adulthood seeking healing. Her journey took her to organic farms around Europe and back in 2003, she realized her own personal healing was deeply intertwined with the health of children and the planet itself. Her latest book, Fragments of Her Story, is exactly that, a fragment of a bigger picture, a picture of her journey out 
of realms of terror and toward a life of joy and gratitude. Melissa currently lives and works in Italy, where she makes money as a proofreader, a teacher, and a translator. Welcome to the show. Hi, Susan. Hi, Melissa. Great to be on the air with you. Nice to talk to you. And hi, Rebecca. Hello. I'm glad you made it up for us. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So much for staying up so late for us. Oh, well, I just woke up, actually. I woke up at half an hour ago ready to talk to you. Okay. (laughs) Nice nice to be here. Mm. Rebecca said, was Melissa an apprentice of yours, Susan? And I said, well, we better ask her. No, not yet. We have met. Oh, I didn't think so. Okay. But, you know, I'm... What I say to the apprentices is, you know, you change your name once, I'm with you. You change it another time, I'm probably going to get lost. And the kind of change yeah. that you made is a favorite change of mine, because you're not Dawes' son, are you? Mm-hmm. No, that's right, yeah. I, I was, I was you're Dawes' daughter. Yeah, and I love daughter. that you have a metronymic. How wonderful. <laughs> So, your latest book, Fragments of Her Story. Tell us um, just a tiny bit about the books before that. Okay, well, before that, I wrote a story called, well, it was a a collection of poems and stories called For Precise Reason. And uh, my goal there was to try and put the most beautiful and the most uplifting stories that I had written in my collection. Because in my opinion, it's so much harder and it's so much more important to, to make people feel good. We can use art to evoke pain or sadness quite easily, but it's a lot more difficult to actually make people joyful. And so yeah, that, was my first, uh, that was my first book. What a wonderful goal to write a book to make people joyful. To share your most um, most awesome, pleasant experiences. Yeah, and it's only recently that I've been feeling perhaps the parts of my story that are a bit darker or more painful also need to be shared. You know, I need to integrate them into my experience and to to communicate them with others. So. A very major event for you in your life was this experience of um, unwanted sexual energies being focused in your direction. Yes, that's right. Um, for a number of years, I was living in a situation where I was being abused regularly, and uh, as a result of that, I, I've had to deal with what they you know they now label post-traumatic stress and uh, the feelings as well as depression guilt um, difficulty relating sexually to people so um yeah that's been quite an important part of my life and one of the most uh, troubling parts of it is having having so much that's hidden because of shame or because we thought that we have to keep things secret. And so the book now that I've written, Fragments of Her Story, is my way of trying to actually communicate things that perhaps have never been said before. 
stuff. But I feel like they have to. If you don't say these things, some words, they stick inside you. If you have a feeling or you have an experience that you can't express, it's, it's really hard to move on from it. I'm reminded of a fragment of a poem by Mary Jo Harjo, a Native American, who said, um, how can I speak my truth when you have cut out my tongue? How can I speak my truth when you have distorted all of my words? How can I speak my truth when you have stolen? And yet we must speak our truth. We must find a way. How did you find a way to do that? Well, I mean, it's been a long journey. Um, I don't really know the answer to that question, actually. I think part of it has just been the determination to, to really make the most of my life. And uh, the desire to be happy, really, is, to me, it's like the pole star in healing. That's, that's, the, that's the thing that I always come back to. And um, I guess having having friends as well, having people that I love and that support me has been really essential. And, uh, and somehow organic farms and children fit in here too. Well, that's right. Um, back in, I think it was in 2003, I had this vision of uh, a school for children based in an orchard because I, I had my, my experience of school itself was that it wasn't really a place that promoted happiness, didn't really encourage people to find healing when they needed it. And so I began to travel Europe, went to biodynamic farms. And I found that actually just that time doing farm work, so maybe picking herbs or hoeing the strawberries, it gave me uh, an opportunity to really to reflect on, on my life and to reconnect with, with what, I, what I would call re- reality, okay? Rather than being lost in this labyrinth of ideas and fears and memories, to reconnect with the basics of what is life, getting my hands dirty, moving my body, and uh, feeling the silence. Of the uh, of the forest. It's certainly one of the reasons that I have a homestead. It's mm. because I know that it is mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually the healthiest choice for me. The healthiest mm. choice, and I see how strongly it affects the apprentices to come here. And to go into the barn to participate in milking, to come in to make cheese, and to sit at the table and eat cheese. Yeah. From a goat. That's right. That was actually one of my favorite experiences was the milking, not of goats, but of cows. Yes. And uh, somehow it's like there's a, a process of unraveling when we start to focus on actually nourishing ourselves, providing our own food, and... Uh, acknowledging the plants and the animals that give us food on the same level of ourselves instead of seeing it as you know, um, a relationship of we just take and take, a relationship more of gratitude and of... Um, because you yeah, put yourself in a position where you, can, where you can actually give to the animals and then, then the circuit is complete. Yeah, that's right, yeah. 
and we feel suddenly so worthwhile. You know, all it takes is is one milking, and suddenly our sense of self worth is magnified enormously because we realize that we don't have to be the best at anything to be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. We have to do what's in front of us. Yeah. And make that the best. And that's what I find that people often find when they go to a farm is that you don't have to compete. In fact, you can't compete with nature. You just keep up. All right. And anybody, well, who, anybody who keeps up, they win the prize. <laughs> and you get a prize every day. It's a new prize every single day. So you you are a a, a woman who takes your experiences and melts them into the forge of words until a poem is able to be born out of that inferno. Well, uh, I don't know. I, ever since I've um, been a baby, you know, I had, I've had a pen in my hand, and uh, I just I love to I love words, and I love the when. The words go and say more than they say. So when they can actually take us to a level of uh, like archetypal truth, and uh, just perhaps to express, and that's the beauty of poetry, is that a metaphor it can uh, it can talk to us about things that perhaps we can't speak about directly. A lot of the issues with healing from sexual abuse are about overcoming repression. And overcoming denial, which is a really um, important factor, I think. Well, I know that you are going to grace us with a reading from your book. Is this the time for it, or do you want to leave it until a little later? Oh, I'd love to. In fact, um, if you don't mind, I'll start with a different poem to the one that I uh, sent you. Absolutely. We'll start with something that's Mm-hmm. It's called yeah, Grandma. wonderful. Okay. Um, so, it goes like this. Grandma. When they raped me, I tried to keep calm, lest my soul should come to deep harm. Then they tortured my mother and tore out her eyes, lest she should see through her master's disguise. And Grandmother, you stood, silent and strong, a tree unshaken, by all that went on. Always you knew that the passing of time would leave forgotten the most heinous of crimes. Now the flowers still blossom and the rivers still flow and the mountains are still capped with snow. But beneath your silent foliage are you asleep as the rivers still flow, still the women weep. Behind aprons and kitchens and hatred of whores behind masks of makeup, a soul that still sore. And some men, they make slaves of their women, their wife, and then they wonder why they feel imprisoned for life. But grandmother, she is not asleep. And as we sow, so shall we reap. They suffocate her with cement, try to poison her womb, choke the blue skies with their man-made perfume. Yet nothing is as strong as the soul that seeks truth. And grandmother lives on in beauty and youth. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. And grandmother lives on in beauty, mm. truth. So sometimes I wonder, I should change the lines, I should say, now the mountains aren't capped with snow. <laughs> now the glaciers are melting. <laughs> yeah, we look out from here, I can see the Alps, and there's less snow every year, so you start to wonder, maybe maybe I need to alter the line there. But uh... <laughs> Mountains were covered with snow. Mountains were covered with snow. Right. Yes, I last couple of years ago I was in Switzerland and a friend said, let's go and look at the glaciers while we still can. That's right, yeah. Changing right, and talking about, you know, their favorite glaciers and over, you know, the period of the decades that they had been alive, how much smaller those favorite glaciers were. Yeah, yeah I've seen it a lot. Not not only here, but also in England, beaches that are now vanishing. And Well, it's an interesting time to be alive, huh? Well, my granddaughter likes to watch YouTubes, and sometimes I listen in, and she was listening to YouTube about a, a woman who was saying that she has moved to zero, a state of zero trash. She actually showed us the mm. trash that she had accumulated over three months, and it was, you know, half a bag, tiny little bag full. And she said she found that her primary trash came from buying food. Yeah. And now she composts any food that she doesn't eat. Of course, I do it. I have an intermediate step because I keep rabbits. So I feed it to the rabbits, and then I compost what the rabbits produce. Uh, so we get mm-hmm. an extra step in there. And that, that she goes to markets so she doesn't buy food that has, you know, f- plastic and things like that around it. And she said that, that, just, that one move right there eliminated more than half her trash. Yeah. I think oh. about how, you know, people say, oh, you know, what can I possibly do? And there's a very simple thing that everybody can do. And then she said she found the next most important item in her trash was um, care products, caring for her home, caring for her body, all those things. And now she makes all those things. And so she doesn't have any trash. Yeah, I mean, I've been reflecting on that as well, especially with the hair products, how much plastic there is in in these bottles, the shampoo that I use or the conditioner and... uh, what a waste it is as well. Every time there's a bottle that it gets thrown away. More and more there's the option of making of going to refillable um, I don't know how you call them, they have the refillable taps for things like the washing machine, the liquid for the washing machine. But there's also of course the possibility of making your own at home. One of the things in your poem that kind of struck me and I wanted to share a, a story okay. with you. I was in an area in the south where there had been a frost, uh, because that's part of global warming, too, is unexpected frosts in places that usually don't get them. And it had wiped out, wiped out the citrus groves. This was an area where a lot of citrus had been grown. And this frost was hard enough uh, and long enough that the trees just couldn't come back. And they were cutting them down and uh, building a housing complex. And I was sitting in the airport, and I'll tell you, I was feeling pretty bummed out about this whole scenario. That, you know, those orange groves are being cut down, and the earth is being paved over. And Mm -hmm. I I was even, I I was even almost crying about it. I was really, really feeling feeling bummed out about it. And suddenly, there's this voice in my head, which I recognized as the voice of the earth, and said, 
you know, I'd rather be paved over than have all those chemicals dumped on me from the orchards. Mm, She said, being paved over, it's kind of like when you put on clothes. It's no big deal. And that really kind of shocked me, and I realized that I was doing something that humans just do so easily that it's almost impossible for us to see, and that is that we project ourselves onto other things, and we think that other things are just like us. We call it empathy and compassion, but it ain't. It's projection, pure and simple. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes... uh... We don't know what the big picture is, you know. It's like we've only got our own perspective, and it's not always uh, the same. Perhaps how the Earth would see things. Huh? It's not how the Earth is feeling exactly. I mean, the Earth really could care less what we do. The yeah, Earth, has, I've been feeling the Earth has been a ball of ice. Sort of- been a ball of fire, the earth has been a ball of water, the earth shakes, rattles, and rolls, it throws up tsunamis, it breaks down mountains, it doesn't really care what we do. We should care what we do, because if we ain't careful, we're going to make this place uninhabitable for ourselves, but we can't hurt the earth. That's right. In fact, I've been, this this year particularly, been really struggling with... um, how I feel, how I feel about the environment and the changes that are happening. And um, you know, at one point, I was really upset. I spent about a month just really like, oh, I, I, I just finished reading a book by Naomi Klein called "This Changes Everything," and uh, it was really harrowing. E. O. Uh, Wilson's Half Planet is a good antidote to that. Half Planet. Half Earth. E.O. Wilson, considered to be one of the smartest human beings alive, much smarter than Einstein, Mm -hmm. and his book, Half Earth, is a really great way to get yourself out of the doldrums and the, the, oh gosh, what could we possibly do? He was really brilliant thinking. Did you know that there are more than one million organizations on this planet devoted to ecological health? We're not talking about members. We're talking about organizations in each. Some of those organizations Mm -hmm. have millions of members. It's not that nothing is being done. No, no. Well, I approached it in two ways. What is being done is done at a grassroots level, and we have learned not to shout so much about it. Mm -hmm. Because the shouting attracts those who don't want us to be preserving things. Okay, I understand. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll definitely read the book Harper. And... um, yeah. Yeah, share with you how, how I approached it, which is Oh please you know, do. in May I made a decision to not fly for a year. So, um, you know, living in a different country for my family, that was a bit tricky. So not taking an aeroplane. And then I just saw in the news last week that two women in Sweden have had the same idea and they're launching a project where they're asking people to pledge to not use an aeroplane for twelve months. So for me, it's really heartening and really uplifting to think other people are thinking in exactly the same way and making the same type of action as me. Uh, yeah, so I found that, that that was really for me that was really good news. 
And also... Um, That's great for most people, however, who don't fly that much. Not buying mm-hmm. cut flowers would cut down on airplane flights more than they're not flying. Oh, wow, yeah. Right? That's Every time you buy yeah, cut flowers, you've just bought an airplane ship <laughs> for those flowers. Sorry? Right, because the flowers are all flown in. Mm. Yeah, of course. Right. So for most people, I mean, how what do they fly once or twice a year? But if they buy flowers, you know, even once a month, that's mm-hmm. 12 flights right there. I'm not against flowers. I love flowers. I'm just saying, if we really want to make an impact, that's a bigger impact. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, so many ways to um, see to it that there's things left here for our children and that that it is as at least as good as we found it, if not better. I'm always, you know, so delighted that even though when I was born there were 2 billion people on the planet, there's now 8 billion, right? There's four mm-hmm. times as many people. And yet when I was born, more than a third of the world's population went to bed hungry every night. There was famine and starvation. Children were starving. Uh, you know, that was used as a hammer at my mealtime. Eat your plate. There's children yeah. starving in. Choose your country, right? And, yeah, well, golly gee, what's happened? We Now we have 8 billion people, and only 20% of the world's population goes to bed hungry. We're doing oh, a really glad you job. Mentioned this, yeah. We're doing a really good job. We ain't perfect. We're human beings. We're doing a really good job. Really good job, you know? The kind of air pollution that there was in all major cities, um, uh, even 100 years ago, is gone. Also, the way that we treat uh, women and children has really improved in the last 100 years, huh? Indeed, Indeed. Still not as good as we'd like it to be. And thus, your book, I believe you see as part of the ways that we have to improve how women and children are treated. Is that true? Well, to be honest, it's really, firstly, it's an expression of my own experiences. So for me, it was was a healing act in that. And also, I wanted to kind of to share with other people some of the tools that I found really useful in healing. And uh, although there's some studies going on, don't get spoken about much. For example, um, I found that MDMA, which is sort of commonly known as ecstasy, was actually a really important part of healing from post-traumatic stress. And uh, although there are some scientific studies going on, it's still not really widely known. People think of it as a party drug. It's, it's still illegal in I think, pretty much everywhere. And yet, you know, I wanted to highlight and ask people to question why it's okay to take an antidepressant like Prozac, which has got the same chemical basis, but not to take a higher dose as a one-off, which could possibly reset your, um, your, your levels of serotonin and your, your feelings about sexual experience. Thank you so much. That is so important. 
that you're sharing with us that MDMA was an important ally for you. You're not suggesting that anyone break the law, but you are saying (laughs) what we're looking at is a illegal drug that is virtually identical to a legal drug. And it does not make a lot of sense to most people who know about MDMA for this situation to be so. All of the studies that I have seen, and you're right, there's not a lot of them, but all of them show exactly what you say, is that it resets the brain away from the constant replaying of a traumatic incident. Yeah, and the way that we deal with uh, mental illness, as it's called, it really reflects on, on the health of human beings back I think it was even in the 1970s R.D. Lang asked why was it that he could give electric shock therapy to people and yet he couldn't prescribe LSD I think now in the modern era we've got a similar question only regarding to why is it okay to take things like Prozac or uh, lithium but it's not acceptable to take MDMA or magic mushrooms which are have the potential to be both sacraments and healing tools. Yes, it's what I call deep medicine. This is Susan Weed. I'm speaking to Melissa, the author of Fragments of Her Story. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? What's the best way for people to get a copy of your book, Melissa? Okay. The best way for people to get a copy of my book is to send me an email. My email address is aimless dot oddswan I'll spell that it's A-I-M-L-E-S-S dot oddswan O-D-S-W-A-N at gmail dot com and in fact the first three people that email me I will send them a free copy of my book that's aimless A-I-M-L-E-S-S at as no, no, aimless dot dot aimless dot at oddswan a z s w a m. I'll spell it again. A i m l e s s dot o d s w a m o d s w a m Odd Swan. A-N. Exactly, Odd Swan. Swan, not Swan, but Swan, A-N. Swan, because it's an anagram of my given name, which is Melissa Dawson, okay? So it's an N, the final letter is an N. Got it, Dawson, Odd Swan. Understood. Okay. So it's Aimless nice Melissa, got it. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Aimless dot at odd swan. First four people who e- email go do it right now. Get a free copy of Fragments of mm-hmm. Her Story. Everybody else will get a delight nonetheless. And we've come to the last minute of the show. What would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds of all the listeners, Melissa? I'd like to read my hymn for the goddess. Okay. Okay. It says, can, can you see me? I am Persephone, underground for cycle three, red, red seed, then liberty. Persephone has now grown older, the corn mother, fair Demeter, 
Bless the land and bless the harvest. Rejoice with the triple goddess. Sitting at the spinning wheel, time to do, to think and feel. And so the seasons change once more. A crossroads, an open door. Holy Virgin and sacred whore. All hail Hecate, keeper of the law. The triple goddess dwells in the shadow, under the earth and in the meadow. Every bird her praises sing, skylark, blackbird, red robin. Every woman made in her image, blessed of breast and pleasing visage. Blessed be the ever-changing form, mother dusk and her daughter dawn. Let it be that we will see. She is us and we are thee. Melissa Dawson, thank you so much for helping us reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And Rebecca, thanks for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings and good night, everybody. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Rebecca. It's been an honor. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Green blessings.